I think my message, you know, coming into any situation for any company is to really follow your, your passion, your heart, or what you really want. Because if you're doing something that you love to do, it doesn't matter if you're getting paid or not. If you're doing something that you're passionate about, that you really love doing, the money will come. If you just keep putting the work in, as long as you apply yourself and discipline yourself, like you really have to, it's not just going to happen. And I use myself as an example over and over and over again of what should never have happened. And then it did. And now I'm 67. I've reinvented myself again because it really comes down to using your imagination and thinking outside the box. Because when you really do think like that and you put the work in, the rest will come. But you gotta put the work in. Welcome to the Home Service Expert, where each week, Tommy chats with world-class entrepreneurs and experts in various fields like marketing, sales, hiring, and leadership to find out what's really behind their success in business. Now, your host, the Home Service Millionaire, Tommy Mello. Before we get started, I wanted to share two important things with you. First, I want you to implement what you learned today. To do that, you'll have to take a lot of notes, but I also want you to fully concentrate on the interview. So I asked the team to take notes for you. Just text NOTES, N-O-T-E-S, to 888-526-1299. That's 888-526-1299, and you'll receive a link to download the notes from today's episode. Also, if you haven't got your copy of my newest book, Elevate, please go check it out. I'll share with you how I attracted and developed a winning team that helped me build a $200 million company in 22 states. Just go to elevateandwin.com forward slash podcast to get your copy. Now let's go back into the interview. All right, guys, welcome to the Home Service Expert Podcast. Today's a very special guest. I got Diamond Dallas Page here. This guy gives back to the community. He's 67 and still running hard, speaking at a lot of events, <laughs> making changes in people's lives. It's so good to have you on this podcast. You're an expert in fitness, inspirational speaking, yoga, professional wrestling, acting, business, entrepreneurship. You're based out of Georgia. You're the DDP Yoga owner and CEO from 2006 to present. Diamond Dallas Page is a pro wrestler icon, movie star, global entrepreneur, inspirational speaker, and worldwide fitness guru. He gained fame in the world of wrestling during the 1990s and early 2000s primarily in the WCW, and later in the World Wrestling Entertainment. Today, he is changing lives with his global DDPY fitness brand while continuing to entertain millions. He's moved from a headliner in the ring to headlining documentaries, movies, and action series on Netflix. Such a pleasure to be here with you, brother. Well, Tommy, you know, we were starting to talk, and it was starting to get too good, so it was, we both were like, wait, wait, let, let's start this thing. <laughs> yeah, because the bottom line is, man, you know, I come from your world because back when I was, I can remember <laughs> back when I was painting for a guy named Pat Kane, <clears throat> well, so sold pot, and <laughs> Pat Kane would be like, it was too early for him when I got there at the crack of nine. And so he'd say, sit down, smoke a joint. And that's back when I did that. That stuff never worked for me. But by the time I got to the second one, he's still sleeping. I'd be out. And sure enough, he'd come by and 
grabbed me around 1230, somewhere on the beach surfing or something. And he'd go, come on, let's go. And I learned how to paint. And at some point I thought, I can do this. I can do my own pages painters. And that was one of the things that I did while I was in the bar business up until I actually started to run bars and run nightclubs. But uh, Pages Painters is a big part of my life. Yeah, I wanted to just share from your perspective, you know, <clears> why <throat> you got into wrestling, what you're doing in yoga, what brought you to this point and what the future holds for you and what's your mission, what's your big reason to be on this planet here in the future? Well, bottom line, that's a, that's a lot of questions at once, but let's just say <laughs> what <laughs> the first thing that sticks out to me is how I got here. And I got here through discipline and hard work. Because a lot of people, you know, will lie to themselves and say, well, I don't need discipline. Like, that's bullshit. Like, you know, the only way people, like, I'm on Cameo, right? And Cameo.com, people come and get birthday wishes or get their, their fantasy football team ready for the season. Or, but really, 50 to 60% of the Cameos I get are one on one people looking for motivation and i have to explain to all of them like there's not a successful person and i know you'll agree with me tommy when it comes to this that it's not motivation that made you successful it was discipline it's you know doing what you you know having the ability to do what you know you need to do when you need to do it whether you feel like doing it or not there's absolutely every person who's listening to this has the ability but will they take the ability will they take it and own it i was watching mike tyson and I, I had a discussion about this with him the first time i met him i ran into him in a club and it was super cool because i was a big fan of mike but he was a big fan of me he's a huge wrestling fan and at some point we got into talking about you know training and he brought up to me that customato back when you know uh, Mike was 13, 14, 15, 16. Here's this 78 year old man, 79, 80, 81, and so on, telling Mike, you know, discipline is something I know you're going to hate. But if you can learn to love it, if you can learn to love discipline, you will be the youngest heavyweight champion ever. And most of us, anybody's listening to this station, they know Mike was the youngest heavyweight champion, 21, 20 years old. And, you know, he went on to do really good things for a while there, but Customato never got to see that because he died, you know, in his mid-80s or whatever. But I watched him on, on one of the um, podcasts talking about you got to do discipline like you love it. And when you really learn to love it, like then you really start to understand that discipline is the truest form of self-love ignoring the current pleasure for the bigger reward to come. And that's a huge part of what got me to this dance. Yeah, I think discipline and what I'd add to discipline that I find most entrepreneurs and most successful employees, they tend to not have delayed gratification. They tend to say they deserve mm. more and they spend a lot of money yep. and they buy things that they probably shouldn't be. And I think in a business world, you owe it to yourself to reinvest in yourself for the first five to 10 years. And you plant the seeds, you nourish them, you put them under sunlight, you water them. And all of a sudden it turns into something unimaginable. But so many couples I know, they say, we deserve to buy this Harley. We should buy that second house. We worked our ass off. 
instead of feeding the thing that's brought them to this point. Yeah, dude, <laughs> I'm going to show you something. I was just showing this to somebody the other day. Like this tattoo, I got this tattoo in 1993 when I left WCW. And this is all about gambling. Because I was a big gambler when I was a kid. So aces and eight, that's what they handed while Bill Hickok got killed with. Then there's the flaming dice. And a lot of think, people think that the black cat was uh, is bad luck, not me. Lucky 13, you know, all of this on this side, this wild cat here on his arm is this tattoo. And I had tattoos on both arms and on my chest when I was 18 years old. So I got these cover-ups and this wild cat, look and see what I get there. You can see it. He is sitting behind the eight ball. He's still got the original star tattoo on his chest. There, where the hell is it? Yeah. There it is. Friggin', he's still got the star tattoo on his chest. He's smoking a cigar and he's got a blackjack in his hat. I was a huge gambler when I was a kid, back when I was painting houses and stuff. And at some point, I lost 3,500 bucks football one week when 3,500 bucks might as well have been 35,000. And I just, you know, kicked the hassle and broke the TV and I stopped gambling. And as time went on, I only gamble on myself. You see, for me, and just like you, I don't know if you're in this problem. I have zero debt. I own this house. I own the uh, DDP Yoga Performance Center. I own three other houses that I'm building a beach house on the beach, which is going to be Pages Retreat in Panama City Beach. Now, I say this, that I wouldn't be building that place. If I wasn't financing it myself, meaning paid, I've got the money for it. I've saved the money to build the retreat because eventually there's a really good chance as much money as we print in this country, at some point, the shit's going to hit the fan. And if you're if you're mortgaged, like you're mortgaged heavily, you're screwed because they're going to come down and the rich is going to get richer. So... You should oh, yeah. really own what you get. If I buy a car, I buy for cash. I don't I don't finance anything. So my rule of thumb is I've got some mortgages. I paid off the buildings, the apartment complexes, the a lot of the stuff, the house I'm in. But if my mortgage payment is below three percent and the Goldman Sachs in uh, accelerated it's a special account, but I'm earning five point five percent. I'm getting 2.5% for free. No, that's good. Of that money. <laughs> We've got enough to pay, you know, and this isn't about money and look look at me, but I'm not a huge fan. I'm a big fan of leverage, but leverage to a certain extent that you have the money to pay it off, but you happen to get it at a good rate. And when interest rates are up, I don't, I just pay cash for the houses. I'm building a house and I don't pay in cash because I'm not going to pay 7%. That's ridiculous. Yeah, but if I get locked down below three, I'm earning 2.5% of my money, but you're right. A lot of people use leverage to the 10th degree and they shouldn't be doing that. And uh, yeah, but it's, it's a, whatever works for them. I just watch a lot of my brothers who make a lot of money while they're wrestling and then they're not wrestling. So if you're making 500 grand a year, good luck finding that job again. If you're making a couple of million, Good luck finding that job again. Like, I was lucky in the way that JDP Yoga, which is yoga for 
guys who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga, which was me. That's why I brand everything when it comes to the workouts, DDPY. Why? Because it's <laughs> it's yoga and rehab and old school calisthenics. And any yogi who does it's like, that's not yoga. I said, that's what I tell people. DDP yoga is its own animal. But it took eight years to be an overnight success. It took eight years before I made a dime. And I was on my own money, $448,000 in before I took a dive. And now, you know, we've been really you know, fortunate over the last 11 years. That has taken off and it's done very well. And, like, I don't have to do this stuff anymore, but I love to. I love speaking to people, but I, I, just, I just don't do it too often. I'll, I'll do one or two a month only because I love to do it. I'm going to enjoy having you there at Freedom. I think everybody's going to enjoy it, and I think you got a lot to offer. I think that uh, you say discipline. You know, I've been working out more than I've ever worked out since my early 20s. And, you know, I got the the shake here. My awesome <laughs> executive assistant just brought it to me. And I'm not drinking. I, I took that right now two months off of drinking, and I'm probably going to take till February off, maybe once or twice. But it's discipline. And I'll tell you this. I could go work out for 24 hours. I won't see anything. But if I get into there, watch what I eat. I, I'm on peptides, I'm on TRT, I'm on a lot of stuff. If sure. I continue this trend, I'll be at 10% body fat by February and I'll feel better and I'll be more mentally focused. So those little things that you're sitting there and dessert comes and you don't eat it, it's delayed gratification. It's saying no. It's saying it's saying I'm going to go work out when I don't want to. And the feeling you get to be empowering yourself and feeding yourself and saying no and starting with a cold plunge, the hardest thing first. It's it's powerful. <laughs> I mean, literally, I was in 39-degree water for six minutes. And I was doing cold plunging a year and a half ago, but I was doing it in the beginning, you know, with a horse trough and ice, because I'm the first guy to ice his body in professional wrestling by over six years. Nobody, because we didn't have trainers yet. We got trainers. A couple of guys would ice, but they'd ice for 20 minutes to be done. I left the building from day one. Ice on my knees, ice on my back. Eventually, it went ice on my shoulders as well. So I, I ended up getting that cold plunge now, which I love because I don't have to go through the putting the ice in and changing the water as much because it's filtered. So I love that. And then I'll go right to a hypoxia training, which is... I'm training, there's this, this company called Livo2, and they're small, but they do a lot of tr training of top athletes, Olympic athletes, and you're, I'm breathing in, it took me about a month to get there, but I'm breathing in at 22,000 feet, so we're breathing 21% uh, oxygen right now. I go to 8% oxygen, and I'm going to breathe that anywhere from 10, really 8 to 12 minutes. And then I'm going to start sprinting. And what I'm going to do is sprint right out of that for 30 seconds at 8% oxygen, then flip it to 90% and keep sprinting for 15 seconds. And then bring in, just stand up and just go and, you know, not fast, just for the next 15 seconds and get ready and hit it again and pull it down to 8%. I'm going to sprint for 25 seconds and then sprint for 15, sec 15 seconds at 90% oxygen. And then for 20 seconds, I'm going to 
turn it all the way down so it's super easy, the pedal. And then I'm going to do this for a total of 10 minutes. Then I'll go to 2010, 20 seconds fast with 8% and then 10 seconds fast with 90% oxygen. And then keep 90% oxygen and just chill out for 30 seconds, get ready to do it again. Why am I doing that is because I've got a few concussions throughout my life and my career. And I'm all about the brain and how is the brain reacting to memory and you know all all of that you know all the, the inner workings i'm not a scientist or anything like that but i do know that oxygen is one of the greatest healers and my brain capacity to rem- to remember is unbelievable you know you walk into another room you go what the hell am i here for and i was doing that all the time and once i started doing this i noticed it wasn't happening as much and now it rarely happens, which is really fascinating to me. Because when you're taking the oxygen away and then you hit it and you send that oxygen and it takes the oxygen deep down and starts healing you at a cellular level, but it also goes up into your brain. And that's the main reason why I do it. And then for the last five to 10 minutes, I can't remember his name. That the, the guy who's the ice underwater ice guy. I know you're talking right. about. I got his. You know his name. Right. I, I do thirty seconds with that ninety percent oxygen with the breathing in and out, in and out, in and out, and then I push it all out and I keep pedaling, nice and easy, no pressure, but I keep pedaling, keep moving, and then how long can I hold that oxygen out and then take it all back in? And again, I'll do that for anywhere from five to 10 minutes. And I got to tell you, man, I get so jazzed because now I'm going to get on the mat. I'm going to do 10 minutes on three days a week of DDP yoga. And then I'm going to my power cups, which is this right here. Power cups. You want to know about it? Go to powercups.com. This is all about blood flow restriction training, BFR. And Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to lift for 30, 31, maximum 32 minutes. And then I want to get back on the mat for anywhere from 30 to 30 minutes to 45 minutes. And and on the days I lift, I'm just going to do a lot of deep stretching and, and really open up my body and everything. And the other days, I'm hitting DDPY hard, like literally holding my foot out in front of my face for 30 seconds, pull it over here and hold it for 30 seconds, and then go, and that's some of the extreme stuff. But it's all about holding back hands of time to me because, you know, I'm still a Ferrari, but I got 98,000 miles on me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love your routine, man, and I'm going to look into everything you're talking about. I, I went to a new workout yesterday where they hooked there's AC and there's DC. Direct current is what they, these electrodes. And the trainer was like, dude, he's like, I'm going to hook these up to you and it's going to be hard. It's going to feel like you're getting electrocuted. But he goes, we're going to work out 30 minutes. And he goes, your muscles are never going to feel, it's like 10 workouts in one. And he hooked it all up. I did everything he asked. And I mean, I feel everything now. And he's like, you stick with me two times a week and do what you're doing. He's like, your body is it's already transformed quite a bit, but I'm like, hey, you know, what's nice too is, is money is just a tool. I don't praise money, but the fact that I could go see people like this and afford to be able to invest in myself, it means a lot. I'm buying back my time. 
you know, this had no joints or tenant pains. It sure. really, really, it, it's great. I'm curious, you know, what did you learn? You obviously learned how to be a great entertainer, but what life lessons did you take out of wrestling that you've applied to your life today? God, and I wasn't so patient back then, but I learned that when I look back, like there was times where I was really high. I had, I was forced to be patient. It's like building, you know, the, the retreat down in uh, Panama City Beach. You know, we have, we've, since I bought that property, which was in the middle of COVID, you know, we've had COVID and then all the things that go with COVID and then, you know, just building. And my place will be built when it's ready because I can't control that. You know, I've learned that the things in my 67 years, the most important thing I learned, not from wrestling, but from DDPY, is how to breathe. Like, breathing is, of course, the most important thing we do. But when you really own your breath, and, I, and you said this earlier about discipline, it's empowering. When you really own your discipline and you own your breath, those two things are like having superpowers. And not many people have them. So when you're going, you know, in a scenario where you're going up against somebody that you want that job or whatever, when you have the patience and when you have the discipline and the, and you own your breath, because I don't like my wife and I, we've been together coming up on four years. We have no baggage. We have never had an argument. When one of us goes a little sideways, the other pulls us back. I mean, just that the patience of learning how to breathe was amazing, you know, then. But there was times where I wasn't so patient. And those are the times I look back at. Dusty Rose. Here's a picture of me and the American Dream in 1989. Man, this, this this son of a gun was, he was my brother. He was my mentor. Him and Jake, those were my two mentors. And that night, me and Dusty were at a Willie Nelson concert. And there's Dusty up there singing with Willie. And he went up for one song, and he never left that stage. I'll tell you what, the American Dream, he was a very, very, very special cat. And in 1994, I was around November, and I was fit to be tied. I wasn't patient. I had lost my patience. I was so mad, you know, at, at the booking committee, because they, they control your destiny. And I said to Dusty, listen, I know I'm never going to be you, Dream. I know I'm never going to be Rick or Hulk. I know I'm never going to be the world champion. But these sons of bitches, they went, Dennis, enough. What did you just say? Now, he had never, like, yelled at me before. So now I feel kind of stupid, you know. I said, well, Dusty, I said, yeah, I know I'm never going to be you or Rick. He said, no, D, what did you say after that? I said, well, I know I'm never going to be the world champion. He said, what the fuck are you doing it for? Dallas, if you don't believe that you could be the world champion, as far as you've come, as much as you've done, if you don't believe you could be the world champion, you need to get the fuck out of our business right now. And Tommy, I felt like he reached you the phone and just bitch slapped me, you know? And he kept going. And I can't tell you a thing he said after that, but he was just ripping my ass. But I can tell you exactly what I did. Right next to my phone, was a ledger pad that was for messages. 
And I took that pad over and I said, I will be the world champion in five years or less. It was four years, four months, and 14 days later. As crazy as this sounds, I didn't really pay attention to it or recognize it until I was doing a cameo one night because it's a really inspirational story. And in the middle of saying this story about me and Dusty, at some point I say, four years, four months, and 14 days later, I step in the ring on a four-way dance with Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, and the franchise, the Stinger. <laughs> I walk out the world champion with that shit right there. That's our Oscar. You know, like I said it four years, four months and 14 days earlier that I'm never going to be Rick or Hulk or Dusty. Well, Dusty was retired, but Sting was a damn franchise and it happened. And the power of manifesting a dream. And I know you know what I'm talking about because of all you've done. It's all about, you know, imagination. It's all about visualization. Einstein said, imagination is everything. He said that imagination is more uh, important than knowledge because knowledge is limited. Imagination circles the world. And I manifested so many different things. And if you're going to ask me the one thing, and through talking this out, the most important thing I learned from wrestling was never say never. Don't let anybody tell you what you can't do. Don't let anybody reprogram your brain that you already know is already going to happen. The power of manifestation to me is something I learned from that. And when I can remember living with Stone Cold Steve Austin in Los Angeles, in my acting career, I'd get jobs here and there, but it wasn't going anywhere. And I started to focus on something that I could control. And I knew back then I called it yoga for regular guys. When I first started this, like where DDP yoga comes from is necessity. I'm the poster boy at 42 years old that wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga. But I didn't start wrestling when I was 35. My career didn't take off until I was at the almost turning 41. I was 40 years old in January when I started that angle with the NWO, which led to me and Randy Savage. I mean, 11, one day after my 41st birthday, I beat Randy Savage in the middle. Randy called that. Not the booking committee. Randy did. He wanted to pull me up because he knew I was money. And the booking company, uh, booking committee, they never would have made that happen. But Randy did because he saw how hard I was working over that six years. It took six years to be an overnight success in professional wrestling. And when I beat Randy, you might as well say I beat Muhammad Ali because my life changed dramatically. Like, I can't even explain how much it changed. Like, all of a sudden, I went from here, boom, to here. And in 1997, I was the wrestler of the year. 
I mean, it was unbelievable. Like, but all of it, it all wraps around, you know, work ethic and discipline and patience and never give up. Inside my Hall of Fame ring, it says work ethic equals dreams. Explanation point, DDP. Well, I got this all around my office, and these are affirmations that I read, but this is all coming true. And manifestation in yourself. What I've learned about anybody is they don't set their dreams big enough. They don't set their goals. The self-belief is not there. And your, your ability to manifest, you're dead on, is you can manifest anything you want. And if you say you're a loser and you look at yourself in the mirror and you don't hold up to what your expectations are. If More importantly, if you lie to yourself in the mirror and say, I'm going to get into shape, I'm going to become a better father, a better husband, I'm going to start working on myself. And then you lie to yourself. You don't follow through. How is anybody supposed to take you seriously? If you can't even count on yourself, if you can't even keep a promise to yourself, what do you expect? And I just I tell everybody I get to work with my coworkers. I say, listen, you got to dream bigger. What's your why? Why are you working this hard? What are your goals? What's your bucket list? What's your dreams? And dream a little bit bigger because you deserve it. And I think this story just hit home for a lot of people, including me, because it's a great story. Well, one of the things that is that you just said very, you said something very important right there. And you said, what's your why? So this is my app. And the first thing you see is the list. It's the very first thing. Then it'll have like, what's the next? You know, Motivational Monday, cooking shows. There's 48 hours. There's two cooking networks. And in 48 hours a day, there's not one healthy cooking show that tastes great. Not one. So I did it. And I put it on my app. And different workouts. And no one can say they can't do my workout. I talk about holding my foot out in front of my head, over my head. But that's extreme shit. My workouts start off in bed. Like, you can't get out of bed? I'll help you get out of bed. I got six different workouts in bed. And what was fascinating to me, some of my buddies who are, you know, professional wrestling, you know, which, you know, they're making great money, but then they tear their ACL. Oh, they start with my in-bed workouts because they can't do anything else. Then they sit in a chair and then they use a chair. The bottom line is the very first thing on this is the list. And when you listen to what I have to say, and then you do the list, like if you actually do the list in its entirety, it's like the yellow fucking brick road. It's like if you do it, it won't just change your life. It'll help you own your life. But the very first thing I'm going to ask you, what's your why? Like, why the fuck are you here? You know, like, why? And be honest with yourself because you're not lying to me. You're lying to you. Like, why are you here? Because that's going to be really important as time goes on. And the biggest reason why when, when I started wrestling at 35, it was out of necessity again. You know, the reason why, because they wouldn't let me manage anymore. Because when I was a manager, I looked like this guy with the freaking holes in his jeans in 1991. Well, <laughs> secret skin jackets and leopard skin jackets and zebra skin boots. And, you know, when I was out there with, you know, the dolls and the bling and the rap, I was taking too much attention away from the wrestlers. And one day, Magnum TA 
who was Dusty Rhodes' right-hand man for Ted Turner's World Championship Wrestling, he pulled me aside. I was supposed to do TV. I was managing these crazy bastards, the fabulous Freebirds. And uh, Magnum said to me, listen, D, we're going to still let you help do all the production you're doing backstage because it's really great. We love you helping the guys with their interviews. And we're still going to let you be a fourth-string color commentator, but we can't let you manage anymore. I was like, what? I go, why? Well, what did I do wrong? He goes, really? Well, nothing. And I said, well, then why am I losing my gig? He's like, well, it's you. I go, what do you mean it's me? He goes, it's the hair. It's the clothes. It's the bling. It's the dolls. It's it's the wrap. It's like you're taking too much attention away from the boys while they're in the ring. And it's not your fault. You know, what we should have done. I said, Magnum, are you telling me I'm too over the top? For professional wrestling and he's like he just laughed he was like hey you know it's not your fault Dave. what we should have done was put a pair of tights and boots in you and see if you could do it and i had seven months left of my contract and that's when i went down that power plant and started training and the only reason a ddp yoga exists my career started to blow up at the end of turning 40 41 42 i was on fire and I broke my back. I ruptured my L4 and L5. And I had three spine specialists tell me my career was over. So, you know, at that point, you know, you want to talk about depression, but I just didn't stay there. And I know, Tommy, just by talking to you and what you've accomplished, everybody goes down. Everybody gets depressed. But top people don't stay there. Like, you can't wallow in your misery. Buck the cowboy the fuck up and get back up and do what you know needs to be done and figure it out. That's another thing that wrestling taught me. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people, you know these people, then they're all around us. They blame Biden. They blame Ukraine. They blame the holidays. They blame the weather. They blame everybody but themselves on their predicament in life. They they all have a story. They all have an alibi of why they did it. Instead of taking complete ownership and saying, listen, maybe it's me. Why can't I keep employees? Why do people bleed for a better pay when I thought I'm doing the best I can? And I always tell this story is I read this book called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, and he wrote down 100 things he wanted in a woman. Wrote down this huge list of the perfect chick. He wrote down this list, and he read the list out loud, and he says, man, I'm not even worthy of a woman like this. So wow. he went back to the writing book and he wrote down a hundred things he would need to become. And when mm. I read that, I wrote down 30 things I needed to become to be worthy of the people I get to work with my coworkers. And I said, wow. I got to be a good communicator, a better leader. And I, instead of blaming people of saying, why aren't they happy? You know, I took all the risk and everybody says all these things as a business owner. But yes, we do go through a lot. That's why we deserve a lot because the chance of making it in business are, are not very good. You know, there's the chance of being a millionaire. You have more chance of being a millionaire than getting a six pack in the United States of America. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, that's funny. I never heard that. That's... You've got this mantra that you say, own your life. And I love that. Talk about that. You know, I tried to help people not just change their life, but own their life. And have you seen that disabled veteran video? Yeah. That, so that's probably had a 
billion, well over a billion views, Tommy. And when that first went viral, you know, I helped them in 2007. We didn't, my, my business partner, Steve, you didn't change the video and change the music and just give it more heart until 2011, no, 2012. In May of 2012 is when my company finally exploded. But it was off that video. And people would write, and I would read just about everything back then, you know, because it wasn't everywhere. And it wasn't, you know, bazillions of people out there. But a lot of people, not a lot, but a good handful of people would write me and they would write me this long call it text and email, whatever you want to call it. You know, basically how, how hurt they were and how screwed up they were and and how they needed me and they needed me to help do this, help do this, help do that. And before you know it, then they get into, but you're not going to help me anyway because you don't really care about it because, you know, you, you only care about money. I mean, like, this is like, you know, long email. And it really, in the beginning, it really bothered me, you know? And I thought, how am I going to fix that? I thought about it, and I came up with the original list. Now, I've already been working on it to help people so I didn't have to tell one person, one person, one person. I could start to tell five at one time or ten. Well, in this scenario, I took the list to a different level, and I wrote down all the things those people would need to be successful, and then I had my people send it. At that the beginning, it it was just me and Steve. So it was me or Steve sending this email back to these people. Today, I have people that do this shit because I, I don't, I don't want to even get involved in the negativity of it. But I told them, if you do everything on the list, I not only will help you, I will send you my program for free. And just like you said about the abs, more better chance of becoming a millionaire than having a six pack. 3% of the people, that's what it was. If 100 people wrote it in, three of them will have actually took the time to do the list. Everybody wants something for, they want it not only for, they don't even want it for nothing. Because if it was for nothing, they wouldn't see any value in it. A hundred percent. And then, that's what people don't understand. I mean, listen, I could give tickets away to this event, but they're not going to come prepared and they're not going to implement anything. And right. I, I was 350 technicians. I, I've got a technician named Roger in Green Bay. And and this guy, his key performance indicators are off. I interviewed him in a video we played for everybody. I said, Roger, would you be willing to help anybody that I'll, I'll send them out there? I'll pay for their flight. I'll put them in a spot and I'll pay them to train with you. And I said, what's your cell phone number? And out of all these people that heard about that, he's got the answers. He's making a lot of money. He's making clients happy. Guess how many took him up on the offer? <laughs> One. <laughs> Zero. 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 <laughs> oh, and that's so, insane. That's insane. I looked at that and I said, I got to do a better job. And, and, you know, it's not my spot to just coach and make things happen. I like the willpower of when people choose to do it on their own because that's sticky and that'll right. that'll work through their life. And I always tell people when you come work with me, 
I hope that your life gets better. Your walk turns a little bit different. Your confidence goes up. You attract and you're magnetic to the right people. And I always say, if you change your circle, if you look at your circle and you don't get inspired, you have a cage. And every single time I've grown as a person, it's either been a book, a podcast, or a person that's come into my life. $234,000. Sorry, but I had to interrupt this interview to share the good news with you. We are now giving Freedom Event attendees the opportunity to win one of the following 11 prizes. Prize one is a rebranding package with Dan Antonelli's agency, Kick Charge. That's a $20,000 value. Prize two, which is one of my favorite, is Al Levy's operational manuals. That's $9,000 of value. Prize three is one day of sales training with Joe Crisara. That's a $12,000 value. Prize four is one year of service recruiting for a position of your choice from Rapid Hire Pro. This is the company I use to hire the team at A1. That's a $19,000 value. Prize five is Titan Pro Technologies will help you onboard, implement, and optimize your service Titan account. That's a $54,000 value. Prize six is a custom IT solutions from Shock IT to protect your business and make sure your tech is running smoothly. That's $42,000 of value. Prize seven is Jonathan Wisman, one of my mentors and the sales boss, will spend one full day with your leadership team to take them to the next level. That's a $15,000 value. Prize eight, access the Who Hire platform so you can use their AI technology to better understand candidates before you hire them. That's a $10,000 value. Prize nine, CL Visual will take care of doing a full wrap for two of your trucks. That's $13,000 of value. And prize 10 is a two-hour consulting call with my right-hand guy, Jim Leslie. That's 10 grand. And prize 11, I'll spend a half a day in your office meeting you looking at your operations and showing you the path to elevate your business. That's a $30,000 value. This is how committed I am to delivering value at the Freedom Event. And if you're still planning to go to the Freedom Event but haven't got your tickets yet, you can go to tommymello.com forward slash freedom and get yours now. Now let's get back to this interview. And it's not that I don't love the people that I grew up with. I love every single one of those, my best friends. But the people I hang around with is who I become. And if I want to become a, a scratch golfer, I'm going to hang out with the best golfers. I play better and I learn more. And it, But there's a give and take, right? I still love my buddies and I'll never change that. But it's, it's really true. If you're sick of uh, hanging out with clowns, stop going to the circus. Yeah, my, my, buddy Mark, my buddy Mark Barrowy says your, your friends are like elevators. They pick you up or they take you down. And, you know, in wrestling, because it's predetermined, the fact that I ever had this ridiculous career is preposterous. I mean, it really is. I was the anomaly. There was nobody like me coming in, and there'll be no one ever to do it again. Because now the WWE, unless you go to Annapolis or you came out of the NFL or you were a, a national champion, you know, wrestler, you know, NCAA champion, like, it's really hard to get in now. And coming in when I got in as a manager, it was preposterous that it ever happened. But it did because I took a chance. And I made a video of me and a bunch of wrestlers that wanted to be wrestlers. Here's one of them right here. I called him Big Bad John. And then there was this one, and I called him Rock Hard Rick. And then there was a little guy, and I called Ted E. Bear. 
he walked in with some of the diamond dolls. So I make this video, Tommy. And the only reason I do is because of this friend of mine. I just did this podcast the other day. His name is Smitty. He's had Smitty Sports Talk for damn 35 years now. And he's out in Vegas now. And it's really all about boxing. But back in the day, he would do one day about wrestling. And I ended up ended up on his show and with Captain Lou Albano and then later with Sergeant Slaughter. And afterwards, you know, I had this whole Diamond Dallas page. It was just a rip. It wasn't like it was going to go anywhere or do anything because it, it was just in my imagination. That's where it was. That's where it lived. And Smitty's like, you know, you really got to do something with this Diamond Dallas page thing. I'm like, do what, bro? You just saw it. I go, I'm making shit up as I go along, bro. I go, I don't really do it. He goes, yeah, but you should. I go, how? I go, bro, it's like the secret society. Nobody can figure out how to get in. Plus, what am I going to do, bro? I go, I don't have any of the relationships. He goes, you know, I got a buddy of mine named Rob Russin. He used to be a, a promoter for boxing all through the state of Florida. Now he's working in the AWA, which is the Midwest. And he said he's working as a promoter for AWA. Why don't you make a video and send it to him? And I was like, a video of what? He goes, you'll think about it. You'll think of something. So I created this character before I went on his show, Diamond Dallas Page, Diamond Mines in Johannesburg, South Africa. And then I just stole little pieces from everybody and made it my own. And I made up this tape with those three guys. And I sent it to Rob. Two weeks later, Tommy, he calls me. He goes, hello, is Diamond Dallas Page there? Now, at that point, bro, nobody ever called me that. So when I heard it, I was like, holy shit, they're calling me. And I remember hearing a preacher say one time, the quickest way to get there is to act like you've already been there. So I was like, hey, Rob, this is DDP. What's up, bro? And he's like, hey, man, we uh, we saw your tape and we like it. You know, uh, we want to bring you and your boys into Vegas for a tryout. But we've got one question. No one's ever heard of you guys. Like, where are you guys working at? Uh, well, Rob, truth is uh, none of those guys can wrestle. What? Why would you send us a tape? I go, because it's like a secret society. No one can figure out how to get in. And I said, but hey, those guys are ready to start training right now. If you got a place they can train, and I'll, I'll be there when they're ready. Or if you got someone ready who can't talk, I go, I'm ready right now. And basically, don't call us, we'll call you. And this is like, again, happenstance and your imagination and, you know, because sometimes God will just line the planets up for you if you're putting the work in. And Paul E. Dangerously, better known today as Paul Heyman, he left the AWA. And he went to what would become Ted Turner's World Championship Wrestling. And it left a huge void for a young guy that could talk. Two weeks later, they call me back. Now it's Greg Ganya who's the son of the father, who is Vern Gagne, who's a humongous star, Hall of Famer, professional wrestling. And his son calls me. He says, okay, I mean, here's what we're going to do. 
We want you to bring all those crazy clothes you wear and bring a couple of those hot diamond dolls, and we're going to give you an audition. And next thing you know, bro, I'm on ESPN managing the tag team champions, bad company. Like, preposterous that it would ever happen. But it was taking that shot. And really, that's probably where it would have ended, except for Dusty Rhodes ended up seeing me. And next thing you know, I'm in a meeting with him for Florida Championship Wrestling. And he had left what was going to be WCW. Because they they got bought that like they they came in and bought the NWA, the UWF, and a couple others, and thus they wanted him to be a heel, and he wasn't going to be a bad guy. He was like, I know it. So he came to Florida, and it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me personally, because I got to build a real relationship with an icon in our business who loved me, and he loved my passion. He loved my work ethic because I wasn't leaving my nightclub gig because they ain't making no money. The first three and a half years, this is what a lot of people don't understand. To make it, you've got to invest in you. And that might mean you ain't making any money. I mean, the first three and a half years, it cost me money to be Diamond Dallas Page. And then I finally got the gig when Dusty brought me into World Championship Wrestling. And... After I was there seven months, <laughs> I lost my gig as a friggin' manager. And then I jumped in and started doing the wrestling thing. And when I told the Freebirds that I was going, they loved me, but they would rip me all the time because I would sell it like crazy. And they loved it just to have fun with me. And the bottom line is that day when I got told I wasn't going to be able to manage them anymore, they were super empathetic. I couldn't believe it. They were like so understanding and dude, we're sorry this is part of the business. And I was like, by this time, it had been hours later and I'd already made the decision, I'm going to go to the power plant. I'm going to learn how to wrestle. And I told them that. And when I told them that, they looked at each other and looked back, back at me, Tommy, and burst out laughing. I mean, Michael fell on the ground. He was laughing. He thought it was the funniest thing he ever heard. Because learning how to wrestle at 35 is preposterous. Because by the time you learn, you'll be too old and too beat up to learn how to, to do it. You're never going to get over. And uh, again, I don't listen to people like that. You know, it's interesting. You said you took four years, 14 days to become the national champ. And you said you were in the bar business, nightclub business. One of my buddies owns the most successful bar in the United States per square foot. His name is Les, Les and Diane. And one of my other buddies, Charlie, runs the Bottle Blonde in Phoenix, uh, Scottsdale. And I've watched him. I've gone in there just to kind of watch. And the training that they provide, these guys go to every nightclub in Miami. They go all over the country mm. to learn new ideas. And they implement. And the way the gals are trained, they get on social media. They invite everybody for their birthday. I went in there and my buddy's like, hey, I want to get my girl a bottle of champagne. It was two grand. We went through the bottles. The girl stopped by and drink the champagne. And all the servers stopped by and they got flutes. And he goes, I go into his office and he goes, he puts two bottles of water in front of me. He goes, this bottle of water I got from Miami, it actually is a third smaller 
and we charge a buck more. He goes, this alone brought an extra $2 million to the company because they're all over. They're in Nashville. They're in Chicago. They're in you know, Miami. They're in Dallas. They're in Vegas. And I just thought to myself, oh, my God, like they run it like a real business. They literally the bar science behind it, the way they train, the way they practice, the way they do social media, the way they, you know, the girls flirt. And it was watching perfection. And when you treat something like that and you're always getting better and you're paying attention to the numbers and you're practicing and you're training and you're getting involved and you're passionate, there's nothing more that can happen except for success. But you got to show up every day. You got to give everything you got. And that's how you became the national champ. Well, you know, the bar business was a lot of fun, but we were doing all that kind of stuff back. There was no, it was drinks were a buck 75. <laughs> buck 75, two and a quarter, and 275, top shelf. And it was a spring break place. But I, mean, I was running clubs by the, top, by, the, by the time I was 23. Little, little rock and roll joints was the first thing I was, I got fortunate enough to had the ability to run. And then, again, this huge place that was one block over from the Stone Pony, which was in, God, 1980. Back then, the, the bar business was a lot different because it was drunk driving and mothers mothers against drunk driving. Man, uh, yeah. So, the, yeah, they into business. We had still done real well. That's why we went to Florida. Because I figured that, well, that'll never follow that. You know, and but it did. It followed everywhere. Until the, the funding money went out of it, and then it, it went away, and people got more, more they got more knowledge about driving drunk, you know. Because now with Uber, there's really never a reason why you know you should even drive if you're going out and you're really drinking. The reason why I could do what I did in professional wrestling was because I was the mouthpiece of the club. I did the commercials. I was up on stage. I've been up on stage, God, since I was 23, 24 years old, running Joe Hot Legs contest, bikini contest. I mean, whatever it took and entertaining the people if the girls weren't as hot as they normally were, you know, because it was a spring break place. But I did that everywhere, whatever it took to get people like having a good time and the really Amazing. Have you ever gotten a chance to see the resurrection of Jake the Snake? Have you ever got a chance to see that? No, I didn't. I, you know, I got that on my list. I'm going to watch that tonight. Yeah, send that out to your people, though, too, because it's on Amazon Prime. And pretty much everybody has Amazon Prime. And Jake, like Jake was one of my mentors. Here's a, a picture of me and him. Because when, when I went, when I started to become a wrestler nine months in, and I don't really talk about this. Because it's too much, the story's too much. I tore my rotator cuff, and they let, I couldn't even lift my arm up, man. I'd have surgery, and it took through like five months, six months to heal, and I lost my gig. But Jake and I had become good friends, and this is a picture of me and him when we were on the independent scene. And Jake was making stupid money because he was Jake the Snake Roberts, but I was making peanuts. But Jake got me booked everywhere because of the relationship that we had. And so many people don't understand this. It's not about who you know or who knows you. It's about who's willing to say they know you, who's willing to pick up the phone and make a call for you, who's willing to put their name on the line for you. That's what Dusty did for me. That's what Jake did for me, too. And 
you know, I always tell people, this is my own quote, never underestimate the power someone gives you by believing in you. And when Dusty Rhodes believed in me, Jake Roberts and Hulk Hogan at some point, and Randy Savage after that, like, I had the biggest names in the world who believed in me and told me, just keep doing what you're doing. I got out of a, I was on a, around that same time I had that talk with Dusty. I was in Germany because Hulk had just come in to WCW and we were doing a European tour, UK, Switzerland, Germany, and I'm in Berlin and I'm the first match. I am the, what we call the curtain jerker. I'm the first one out of the box, the bottom of the card, making bottom money, but make it a living, you know? After I got done with that match, I walked through the curtain and Hulk grabbed me and he pulled me over. He said, how are you doing it? And I go, do, well, I don't know, Hulk, what, what am I doing? He goes, how are you getting so much better? He goes, I very rarely see you on TV because they weren't using me, the booking committee, they weren't using me. So that's why he didn't see me. And he said, when I do see you, you have some new move, you get up, you get the people involved. He said, this is what they're doing with you, right? They're putting you on the road so you can learn your craft. I go, Hulk, I haven't been on the road in over four months. He's like, what? How are you getting so much better? I said, well, the booking committee is not using me, bro. I said, the only reason I'm on this show is because I got a smoking hot wife that walks me to the ring. And my last real name before I changed my name was Falkenberg. And the Krauts love their Germans, man. So, you know, that's why I'm on the card. And he goes, well, how are you getting better? And I said, well, when they wouldn't use me, I'd go down the power plant. And I started, he goes, what's the power plant? I go, well, that's where I, I learned, you know, the basics of wrestling. And that's where all the young guys go. Like back then, around that time, there wasn't somebody older than 26. I was 38, you know. But now I'm going down and teaching them. And this applies to absolutely everything. The more you teach someone something, the more you learn. A hundred percent. I agree. You know? And that's what I told him. He said, whatever you're doing, because he didn't understand it. He said, whatever you're doing, you need to keep doing it. Because it's not tonight or next year or the year after. He goes, but somewhere down the line, I honestly believe you have the ability to draw huge money with me. So I'm going to go ahead. You know, we're on a bus. We're over in Europe. We're on a bus. So I'm walking to the bus and I hear Diamond. And it's Hulk, and he pulls me in his um, locker room. And Eric Bischoff's in there, who's the boss. And he says, um, he said, listen, everybody knows me, me and Eric are boys. Like, we're bros. But Eric was really not into the nepotism thing. He wasn't going to push one of his buddies because he wasn't, he wouldn't have done it anyway. But being the top guy, he wasn't there yet. He was a bunch of guys who were the booking committee and him. And he was a little bit above him, but he didn't want to push anything. And Hulk said, I know that you guys are tight. He goes, you need to do something with him because you're not doing anything with him. And if, he goes, 
you give him that that hand somewhere down the line, I think he can draw big money with me. And he walked away, and I was like in shock that like he would put me over like that. So what happens is Bischoff, who runs the company, he goes back and he tells the booking committee, and he tells me this: they don't see it. And here's what I suggest: I'll give you your release. You go to the WWF. You get over, and then you come back. You know, you know, you got a job with me for life, and you come back. I'll be able to give you the money you think you deserve. And I said, you know what, Eric? If you'd have said this before I went to Europe, I would have taken you up in a heartbeat. But I said, I got Dusty Rhodes telling me I'm going to be a top performer in this business. I got Jake Roberts. And now I got Hulk Hogan. I said, bro, I ain't going anywhere. I'm staying here because you guys ain't got anybody over yet within the company. I'm going to be that guy, and I'm going to stick my fist so far up, what's his name, blah, 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 when I move my fingers, his mouth moves. And that became a driving force to me. Like, that's what I was going to do, and it happened. And if you just go four years, was it five years? Five years from Hulk Hogan saying that to me, and five years later, He's on the Tonight Show with Dennis Rodman, and I come in from the wings with Carl Malone, the number three leading scorer of all time. We come in and throw the chairs down and shoot our angle on the Tonight Show, the second biggest drawing pay-per-view in the history of WCW. So, again, manifesting dreams into reality. Man, I got a million things for you, but I know we got to wrap up here. I was going to go into a lot of stuff with the yoga and, and author uh, Borman, but I want to be respectful of your time. You're coming to Home Service Freedom. You know what this thing's all about is is I think we got to start with the end in mind. And, and I, a lot of business owners, they don't know what... There's so many things that go into business, recruiting, training, KPIs, CRM, all these things, and it's just overwhelming. And my goal is to make it simple. And you got to start with, what do you want out of your life? And let's work on your dreams and your why. And let's figure out an instrument to get you there. And the businesses I've worked with, I'm very proud of the people. They've done exactly what they need to do. They've decided it's ready. And they're making more money than they ever thought possible. And they're helping their community. They're helping their employees. They're helping everybody. And they're living their best life. And I want that for more people. And you're going to be there talking. What is going to be the message that you're going to be sending out there at the Freedom Event here in Orlando in November? I think my message, you know, coming into any situation for any company is to really follow your your passion, your heart, or what you really want. Because if you're doing something that you love to do, it doesn't matter if you're getting paid or not. If you're doing something that you're passionate about, that you really love doing, the money will come if you just keep putting the work in. As long as you apply yourself and discipline yourself, like you really have to, it's not just going to happen. And I use myself as an example over and over and over again of what should never have happened. And then it did. And now I'm 67 
I've reinvented myself again because it really comes down to using your imagination and thinking outside the box. Because when you really do think like that and you put the work in, the rest will come. But you gotta put the work in. And that's the biggest part. When you can get someone excited about that, when you get someone excited about really wanting to own it, like you said earlier, own your life. Uh, to me, owning your life is being able to do everything on your own terms as opposed to what someone else, because a lot of people, you know, they want to work for themselves, but they don't want to take the chance, you know, because it's a gamble. It's a gamble. But when you are working for yourself, it's all about the time you put in for you because you're investing in yourself. And that's the biggest thing, because that is my why. Why am I still doing this now when I don't have to? Because I want to spread that word. Because I know when people who grew up with me, how old are you, Tommy? 40. Just how turned 40. 40. Anyone between 32 and 55. Like those are the people who grew up as kids with me yep. and teenagers. And they saw me do what was the impossible. And they respected it. And that's what I was talking about before we ever got you know, on the show here that. You know, when it comes to seeing somebody in an airport, I mean, I have people walk up to me all the time. I haven't been on TV in 22 years, but they recognize this in this voice. And it was passionate. Maya Angelou said, they may not remember what you did. They may not remember what you said. Remember how you made always, you feel. A hundred percent. A hundred percent, man how you feel and that's what i'm going to bring to everybody because i speak with passion about what i'm doing i'm going to make them laugh i'm going to make them cry most of all <laughs> i'm going to inspire them i'm going to inspire them to believe because if i could do this on the level i was at what could you do because now you know like it's possible and you teach the same stuff dude so this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Well, you uh, you close this out great, man. I can't beat that. I can't <laughs> wait to meet you in person. And uh, I really, really respect you a lot, and I appreciate you doing this. You're an inspiration. The fact is that you're still 67 years old and going hard in the paint every day. And I'm really excited that you got this great relationship with your wife. And just oh, seems like everything's going right. So if you can't bring her, I'd love to meet her. Oh, and, she's uh, coming. She's coming. Tommy, let me interject you. I got to tell you something. I got because you said, yes, uh, my girl. All right. We had dated 10 years ago. And because she was 18 years younger than me, and my first wife and I had only been married once at that time, my first wife and I, she's still one of my closest friends. She's one of my partners in DDP Yoga. But it, we were growing apart because. She still wanted to go skiing and, you know, mountain biking and all the things that would beat up my body. And it, it just couldn't do it. So we started to grow apart. But it was hard in the beginning. But at some point, it became easy because we really loved each other. And we kept that up. And that's something I'm going to talk about. Living life at 90%, which is a concept that I developed based on the fact that life's 10% of what happens to you. And 90% of how you react to it. And I'll talk about that. But we have a great relationship. So 
I know when I'm dating Paige, yeah, my, my wife's name is Paige. And she, uh, I got to tell you this too, bro. Her maiden name is McMahon. No relationship. Like, I, I don't know how it's even possible. Not it is. Events, huh? Not at all. Not at all. The bottom line is, when we were dating, when I realized how young she was, and she was traveling the world, climbing mountains, Mount Kilimanjaro, Mount Fuji, running. She put a, a backpack, 25-pound backpack on her back and ran 170 miles through the Grand Canyon in six and a half days in one of those ultra-friggin' races. I'm looking at her, and I'm going like, this chick makes Kimberly look like a wallflower. You know, so I'm just going to do that. And I pushed it off to the side. I was very nice about it. So I fell in love with someone else, which I did at the moment, and because I wasn't letting her in my life. But then years later, me and that woman are, were split up. And, you know, I, I was on Facebook. This is like four years ago. And I see a video come up. Now, one of the other things she was doing, her mom had died of lung cancer. At that point, a big friggin', you know, Wall Street chick, you know, taking care of multi-million dollar contracts, negotiating multi-million dollar contracts. She's like, I got to quit. My mom's sick. I got to go take care of her. They're like, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. You take care of your mom a week and come up and work for a week. Take care of your mom for a week. Come back, work a week. Until she gets better, we'll pay you full time. So she agreed, and her sister and her alternated, coming down to take care of her mom. Well, she never got better. And she passed after nine months. Never smoked a day in her life. After her her stepdad had asked her to, you know, a year later, can you take your mom? He never went in the room. Wouldn't go in the room, and he's going to sell the house. So they, the girls came down, and they're taking their mom's stuff. And Paige finds her bucket list in the uh, one of the secret drawer. And it was to see the seven wonders of the world. It was to climb Mount Kilimanjaro and not Fuji. Like this was her mom's bucket list, who was retiring at 59. And she ended up quitting the job, ended up following her mom's dream. Now that's when I find her. You know, see the seven wonders uh, of the yeah, world, the whole um, thing, right? Oh. So I'm looking on Facebook. It's seven years later. And up comes this video of Paige. And she's like, hey, guys, kind of happy day, kind of sad. Today's the end of my mom's bucket list. And I'm spreading the last of her ashes on the Great Wall of China. Oh, my God. Right? And I was like, I got to call her. And I just called. She didn't pick up. I left her a message. So proud of you. That's a big ask of yourself. That you're going to see the seven wonders of the world. Like, you're going to really, you're going to make that contract with yourself. And then you do it. Like, wow. So I left her a message. She called me back. And we ended up talking. And it took three months. And she was only in Nashville. It took three months. And I'm in Atlanta. For us to finally get together. And over that time, we got to really know each other. And one of the things she sent me when I was on my way to see her, and we were both coming into Chattanooga. That's where we were going to meet. And she sent me a text. And by that time, we both knew 
but we didn't, but we knew, you know, she sent me a text saying, finding someone's true love is finding someone who speaks their language so they don't spend an eternity translating their soul. Oh, wow. Man, that's powerful, right? So you had said the 100 things that, you know, the guy had to do to what kind of a woman he wanted. And then he realized, well, here's the things I need to do to get that person. For me, I had boxes that needed to be checked. And it was really more about authenticity. Be who you are, always. I don't want to change a thing about you. I want to know who you are. I don't want to know who you want to be. I want to know who you are. And then from there, things can change, but always for the better, if you take it with the right mindset. And as I went through this relationship, and we and it was over COVID, so we're together all the time at one point, you know? So like 24-7, she checked boxes I didn't even know I had. <laughs> you know, like, wow. And she will be there. She will be there. And uh, and I use her at one little bit talking about it. You got to bring her up, man. That's the seven wonders of the world. You know, another yeah. story that I'll share real quickly with you is one day there's this... Uh, Several thousand years ago, there's a village, and it's a very, very happy people, native people. And there's this bad tribe that lives on top of the mountain. One day, this lady is out there doing chores, and her baby gets kidnapped. I mean, it's a little baby. Mm. And they know it was this mountain, the people, this bad tribe on the top of the mountain. It's all these evil people that live up there. And and so the lady runs to the, the village and it gets the best of the best trackers. And they're trying to go up this mountain and it's snowing, it's a blizzard. And they're trying to find the path to get to this, to try to get the baby back. And they give up. And th they're looking at the, the bottom of the mountain saying, we should just go back. And all of a sudden in the distance, they see a lady running down the mountain. And she's got a satchel. And she catches up to the guys and they go, what do you got there? And she goes, they go, is that, is that your baby? And she goes, yeah, I had to go get my baby. And they go, how is it possible? How would you be able to get to that all the way up that mountain? And they go, she goes, it wasn't your baby, was it? <laughs> <laughs> her lie was so strong. Oh, yeah. Do that. And I think if you work hard, to figure out what's going to motivate you and go the right. best version and you figure out the right why because it's not easy to get your why. You got to really peel the onion and analyze yourself and become one with yourself that you could accomplish anything you want. But uh, I can't wait to meet Paige. I <laughs> uh, can't wait for you to meet her, bro. You're a lover. She is, she is all that, man. <laughs> all that. Hey, listen, brother, great time. Uh, anybody who wants to... Uh, Go check out what I'm doing with DDP Yoga. You can go to ddpyoga.com and get seven days free on the app to try it, uh, to really see what it's about. But don't listen to a word I say about my program. But I'm going to challenge whoever you are who's listening, who's watching me right now, go on Facebook, not my page. This is a member's site. And it's DDP Yoga, one word. Go on, look, you, you got to ask to be the member. They'll click it in and let you in. And it started with five people who did my program 
nine years ago, and they were wanting to help keep each other accountable. And then it was 10 people, and then it was 100, and now there's over 78,000 people there helping each other. I heard Zig Ziglar say when I was 22 years old, you can you, get whatever right here. So you can get whatever you want. Everything as as you, you, you can have everything in life you want if you just help enough other people get what they want. A hundred percent, bro. And that became part of my DNA. You know, it became, and I was thinking, I've always done that. You know, in wrestling, I helped over 30 guys live that dream of being a wrestler because more than two thirds of them never would have got that opportunity. But I saw something in them and I saw that they just had a great attitude and they were good people and I'd help them get in. And next thing you know, they had a little, you know, little deal. And then after that, like, what do they make out of it? How hard are they going to work? You know, and a lot of, a lot of people live a lot of dreams, man. Tommy, great talking to you and uh, look forward to meeting you in person, my brother. All right. I'm going to go get on that Facebook page. Everybody that's listening, you got to join that page. And I really appreciate you doing this. I'll see you here in a couple of months, brother. See you, baby. Bang. <laughs> <laughs> Look forward to meeting you, brother. You too, man. Have a great day. Yeah. See ya. Hey there, thanks for tuning into the podcast today. Before I let you go, I want to let everybody know that Elevate is out and ready to buy. I can share with you how I attracted a winning team of over 700 employees in over 20 states. The insights in this book are powerful and can be applied to any business or organization. It's a real game changer for anyone looking to build and develop a high-performing team like over here at A1 Garage Door Service. So if you want to learn the secrets that help me transform my team from stealing the toilet paper to a group of 700 plus employees rowing in the same direction, head over to elevateandwin.com forward slash podcast and grab a copy of the book. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch up with you next time on the podcast.